Welcome to Faith in Real Life, where we talk about truths of the Bible that are relevant to your life and faith. My name is Obi, and I'm the pastor to young adults at First Baptist O'Fallon. And if you enjoy this podcast, please rate it on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. It helps get the word out. And if you have questions, please text them to 618-224-1216, and we'd be happy to try to fit some of the answers to your questions into the show. And I am joined by Bryson. hey Bryson, uh, just to kind of start it out, we are approaching the Christmas season, and so I thought I'd just uh, throw something out there to you just to let the audience get to know you a bit. Okay. Um, and it's, of course, not going to be a flattering question. Um, that, would, that would be too kind. What is the lamest Christmas present you've ever given? The lamest one I've ever given? Or you, I mean, if you have can other, I, can I generalize it to make it just a gift in general? Sure. Okay, because it's not a Christmas present. Okay. So I'm a big re-gifter. So mm-hmm. I'm a minimalist, and so people mean very well, and they will give me things that I don't want, nor do I need, and I don't like just letting things clutter in my house. Unless it's Star Trek paraphernalia, right? Star Wars. Oh, that's right. Star Wars. My apologies. Big difference. <laughs> I'm not a Trekkie. Y'all don't know this, but I just totally insulted him internally. He's I'm so actually walking out the door right now. <laughs> um, no. So when Sarah and I got married, you know, you get a lot of wedding presents and I think there's some very well-meaning people who do not buy off of your registry, even though you ask them to. <laughs> and somebody had gifted us a deviled, a, a, like it was like deviled egg holder, had 24 of them. Hmm. And it was red. And I hate the color red. It's just a really? weird personal preference. Isn't orange your favorite color? Orange is my favorite color. They're not I, that dissimilar, sir. They're they're so different. <laughs> and to make it even worse, it was like it was like farmhouse speckled, which is like a thing. I don't and know it what had, that means, but our listeners will understand. And it had little tiny chickens on the end, and that's how you held it. And I think it was actually a family member who gifted it to us. Hopefully, not someone who listens. Probably not. And um, hi, mom. And uh, <laughs> anyway. And I remember we kept it because we didn't know what to do with it. We kind of felt bad throwing it away. It was kind of expensive. And we had these friends who got married and they were a little bit more on the rustic side of life. And so we regifted it to mm. them and presented it as if we, and I think they, I think they use it. I feel Not like if they like it. So they liked it then. Or they regifted it. Mm. We got a thank you card in the mail. You got to so. follow up on that and find out. They get, I mean, like thank four you years cards. Ago, bro. Thank you cards. That's kind of a, that's kind of a, I don't know, a thing that I always wonder about. I think it's weird in our culture that we require people to give thank you cards when they've received a gift. You're a thank you card type person, I know. Sarah and I actually did not write thank you cards after our wedding. <laughs> we had, we, there like, were several people who were offended, but we I'm did sure not. that's true. For me, when I give someone something. If they say thank you, that's great. I mean, good. It's good to show appreciation. But I didn't give them a gift to put a burden of work on them. Mm -hmm. And maybe this comes from me who feels like my schedule is always full. And writing a card sounds like an extra job. I would rather someone not give me a gift than have to write a card. Mm. Uh, I guess it depends what the gift is. Oh, he definitely has the spiritual gift of appreciation right there. (laughs) No, so here's what I'd rather do. I don't like, um, I don't like, I guess... I don't know what, what word I'm trying to use, but I don't like formalities that aren't sincere. Mm-hmm. I'd rather really appreciate someone at a spontaneous time or a, a time where it'd be more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Whereas just giving someone a perfunctory thank you card. Is that, that your word of the day? Perfunctory? It, it can be. Okay. I mean, you can use it any day you want um, if it's relevant. But 
if if you just give someone a perfunctory card, a just a random or not random, but a culture tells me I have to write this back because you gave me something. Now I have to respond uh, with something a lesser degree of value. It's yeah. just a card that says I think I, I'm thankful yeah. for what you gave me. To me, that just feels insincere and pointless. Mm. But that was the gift we gave. So an insincere, pointless gift that we did not want anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, but theirs was theirs was the insincere response. I, I mean, I'm sure they're thankful, but you got a thank you card. They got a chicken egg thing. Devil egg holder. Yeah. Yeah. They got that with the color of red, which is not dissimilar from the color of orange. Same nope. side of the color wheel, I believe. Yeah. But <laughs> agree to disagree. Good, sir. <laughs> All right. So now that we've lost all of our listeners, let's uh, move on to our questions. So um, we're going to, I'll just kind of pose this topic. So we're still going through our spiritual disciplines um, series and trying to think through different things that kind of give people some um, just very practical steps that they can take in the faith. And we've talked about a lot of good topics like uh, reading their Bible, like prayer, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so today we're talking about service and and what it means to really serve. What does that look like? Why the Bible, um, why the Bible wants us to do it? Um, what, what are some, maybe some easy options for people? What have been our struggles with, with serving or where have we found it easier? Um, and so we're going to kind of get into that today and we're going to start off with the why and I'll, I'll begin with you. Um, just why is serving important or anything you want to say about what, what the Bible says about it? Um, or even what it, what it is. So any thoughts you have on that? Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can talk about with service from what the Bible says, but one of the things I go back to when we when we talk about serving is there is kind of a, a spiritual requirement, so to speak, to serve. And so uh, one of the passages I really enjoy it talks about spiritual gifts, and uh, it's First Peter four chapter. Wow, First Peter chapter four. Words are hard today. Ten through eleven verses. Ten through eleven. And uh, it, it says this, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. And then it kind of goes on just to share about like the different kind of gifts. And it's, he's basically like, do you have this gift? Use it. And that's kind of what he talks about. But what I like about this is he says right here, each of you have a gift. That means every believer in Christ at least has one. I think most people have more than one gift. Um, but I, I, I would I would argue that everybody has at least one spiritual gift. When you couple that and understand that with what Paul writes in Galatians chapter six, he says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. And so you, these, these kind of two concept, concepts right here, every single believer has a spiritual gift. And the Bible says, and Paul writes, he says, don't give up doing good. He goes, he's like, at the right time, you'll see the blessing. If you don't give up, he goes, do good to everyone inside but or outside, but especially inside the church. And so I think the Bible really highlights here, um, it is kind of this mandate. There is this expectation of you're not just saved to sit in a pew. You're saved to be active. You're saved to serve. And uh, in fact, in my email before we switched to this long, long story, basically we were forced into a new kind of like a little uh, email signature, but my email signature actually <laughs> used to say save to serve. 
That was my little tagline that I had. I don't have that anymore. But um, <laughs> you're but not bitter about it. I'm at not bitter all. about it at all. But I, I did that because it is a it is a I think a healthy reminder. Aren't that you the communication director now? I right. am. I'm just throwing that out there. That maybe so much power. Maybe you've been given a little authority to oh. change things up. I'm writing this down right now. Um, but I think <laughs> I think that it's just a good reminder that every single listener has a gift. There's they every person listening to this. If you're a believer has at least one spiritual gift. Um, I personally think that gift is encouragement. I think everybody has the opportunity to encourage, um, but that's a whole other podcast for a whole other day. Well, um, if I could add to that thought real quick before you go on, um, if we just think of gifts as we've talked about different things that are gradient here on this show before. and wow, it's another big word for the day, gradient. <laughs> uh, Sorry, keep going. I like it. I just, I'm loving the word of the day here. Uh, all right. Uh, who knows what I'll say next? Um, but if you think of just kind of a, a gradient scale of things and how we how we perceive things, I'll just say how we see things. Uh, perceive is <laughs> doesn't big word seem again. big, but um, um, if you think of it as a gradient scale, that um, like you were talking about uh, different gifts, um, if we took it to a non spiritual gift and just said something that's just common giftedness. Mm-hmm. So let's say one person's a singer and the other person's not a good singer. Mm-hmm. So like my wife, she's a good singer. I'm not a good singer. I can still sing, mm-hmm. right? So so when we say that not everybody has every gift, it's not saying that you have none of the gifts, right? right, you, right. You, you probably actually have a little bit of all the gifts, right? and there's just some that when we talk about giftedness, mm-hmm. you just excel above mm-hmm. other people in that area because right. God's uniquely blessed you right. in that. So I just wanted to yeah. point that thought no, out. No, if you take like a spiritual gift test, like there's all kinds of different ones. They mm-hmm. highlight a multitude of different spiritual gifts, but they never have you at zero of a spiritual gift, mm. but they will show, okay, you're pretty low in this, but you're, you might be really high right. um, in this area of spiritual gifting. But also just a reminder, it's, we call it a spiritual gift, right? What is a gift? A gift is something you receive. You have to accept it and you kind of have to open it. You have to like open what's inside of it. So I feel like unless you re-gift it, like unless your chicken, you <laughs> like your chicken egg. Oh thing. my gosh, that's a horrible analogy. <laughs> or is it? You want to re-gift your gift? You want to give it, share it. To you them. want to take the gift that cheesy. God's given you and give it to somebody? No, that's not. No, you want to we're, share. It. We're thinking too deeply here. Yeah, let's think less <laughs> deeply about this. No, I just. But seriously, like, like I think every, I think I think the church suffers because there's a lot of believers that have spiritual gifts. They don't use them. Right. They don't open them. They don't practice them. Um, and I think it's just a, it's a loss. I think it's a loss to the kingdom mm-hmm. and to those outside the church who need to hear the gospel. Yeah, good stuff. And will you read your verse again? Which one? Uh, the First Peter one. Read it. Yeah. First uh, Peter 4, verse 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you will, well, sorry, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Good. And so I I wanted you to reread that once people could hear it again, but then uh, also about midway through there, it says, use it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I like to always point out declarative sentences uh, when, when God's just saying a command type thing, he's not saying, um, if you feel like it, use it. It's a, you have been given gifts, use them. Yep. And so there's this expectation in scripture. Um, and, and if you think of 
the Gospel of John, where Jesus said Christians will be known by love. We're talking mm-hmm. about service, and so you could really think of serving in two ways. And the first one's kind of what we're talking about, our giftedness, um, and that could largely be within the church. And yeah. you even read that a second ago about gifts within, gifts without. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the church and out of the church. So the first one I think of, uh, when we think of Scripture and its mandate for using our gifts in that verse you just read, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 are all the sections of Scripture that talk about the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the church, and it pictures all the members of a church as part of this one body. So that's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Not the whole chapters there, but sections within each of those. And so there's this expectation, again, that Christians are supposed to use their giftedness among other believers, mm-hmm. that if it is if it is um, someone's just an encourager or uh, Bryson was talking about before we started recording about encouragement, that mm-hmm. some people are just um, encouragers and, or administrators. That's, that's the yeah, one you said. Yeah, everyone be sleeping on the gift of administration. <laughs> Nobody wants that spiritual gift. It is a powerful spiritual it gift. It is a powerful spiritual gifts, uh, gift. But um, So if you have administration, then use that. Use that to help the church out. That doesn't mean you go uh, forcing your your uh, authoritarian rule on someone and saying, hey, church, you will organize my way or or else. But it does mean that you're there to help, right? Yeah, to use right. your gifts where, where they can be used. So that's one side of it is within the church. But I also wanted to focus on, um, like I mentioned just a second ago, when Jesus says in the Gospel of John, when he says that we're to be known by love, mm-hmm. that implies that we're going to be out in the world caring for others. And so uh, a mark of a believer in Scripture is that we care for people. And so I want to read a few verses to to you all. So James chapter 1, verse 27 says this, this famous one, um, says, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. And, and I'm just going to pause there. When people think of religion nowadays, they think of people how they usually say, I don't like organized religion, Mm -hmm. right? Well, hear this scriptural reading, pure and undefiled religion, and it's the Greek word threskia, and it can actually mean worship, right? And so it's just... Another big word. (laughs) Well, different language word. Um, That makes it even more fancy. (laughs) But pure and undefiled religion or worship, if you were to think of what is actual religion supposed to be before God, it's supposed to be like this act of worship before him. Mm -hmm. And so you'd say, well, okay, if we're going to be worshiping, then I'm going to have to be singing, right? That's what I would think, is Mm. that I'll go into a worship service, After all, they title it worship service, so this is how you worship. Right. But that's not what it says. It says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Mm -hmm. And it goes on to say some other things, but I want to focus on those for right now. Um, And if you were to to search this in some sort of Bible app or something, different words, orphan, widows, a lot of times they're paired with stranger or foreigner, so someone Mm. who's... Uh, not in the the land that is their home, and like a refugee, yeah, something like that. And so, what's interesting in Scripture is that there's this clear picture that God has a heart for the vulnerable, mm-hmm. orphans, widows, strangers, foreigners, mm-hmm. a refugee, that type of thing. God has a heart for the vulnerable. Now, I'm not making a political decision, right? Because yeah. of course, as you mentioned, foreigners, things like that. I'm not talking about what a government should do. I'm talking about what we as Christians should do. Mm-hmm. Us individually, we're to care for people who are vulnerable. And so again, there's this expectation that Christians care for people in need. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40. It says, and this is Jesus talking. He said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a, see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So there's there's this thought then that when we care for someone, like James 1 tells us to do, mm-hmm. when we do that, it's as if we're doing it to God, mm-hmm. that we're doing it for him. And that's how God views it, which is a really powerful thing to think of because a lot of times people don't want to serve because it's a thankless job right. to remember that when you're doing something for someone, especially someone who can't do anything in return for you, you're just caring for them because it's right and mm-hmm. it's good. And you're a Christian. Yeah. You're doing it for the King. And that's a really cool thing to think of. And then the last one I wanted to mention was James two verses 15 through 17. So I'd already read James one. Now this is James two. I love the book of James. It's, it's a lot about faith and action mm-hmm. and, and service. And so James two says this, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? So I'll pause there. So that that whole, uh, those verses right there, the, the point that they're making is that if you saw someone who's hungry or you saw someone on the street, it's wintertime and there's some uh, it's cold and, and they don't have a coat or something, and you just go up to them with your words and say, hey, have peace, be warm, and mm-hmm. fed, they'd look at you like, you're crazy. Um, you're crazy. Right. Now, could I, have, could I have a few dollars for something or could I have your jacket? Right. Um, and so this says in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. And so, again, you have this picture where the expectation is that Christians are going to care for people. And this goes so far to compare that to dead faith if Mm -hmm. you don't. So when we think of service, and there could be a lot of Christians who are listening to this right now that that maybe they've struggled to plug in. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying a person has to do everything, but I am saying, and, and I'm saying this because Scripture says it, there's an expectation that you do something. You need to give back to the body of Christ. You need to care about people in this world. It's mm-hmm. both. There's two ways to to really serve. You could serve in the church, and you can serve outside the church, right. uh, caring about people in the world, being a light for Christ, and showing people the love of Christ. And honestly, you could do both. Right. Right. It's a good totally thing agree. to do both. That's good, man. Anything to add to that? No, that's good, bro. All right, so let's talk about our journey next. So um, what has your journey of serving been like? Uh, maybe share anything that you, your your experiences, things you've gone through. Yeah, so I, I grew up in church, but I feel like until college, I was mostly just involved in church. And, you know, and as a kid and a student, you know, there's a lot of the programming is designed for you to be involved more than to to serve. And right. so... Um, and so when I was in college, though, college ministry, so I had a volunteer college pastor. Um, and so it was, I mean, insane. Like there was like 100 college students in this ministry, but um, he just, he did what he did out of a volunteer, like he wanted to be a pastor, but anyway. And uh, so I am someone who uh, early is on time and on time is late. And uh, and so our church, our college life group was meeting, you know, we met on Sunday mornings and one morning, I think I just got there super early and for some reason, and I walk up to our, our college ministry area and it was a little bit of a setup, kind of a teardown, uh, uh, kind of a, a location for us. And I walk up and I see our volunteer college pastor 
setting out our chairs. I had never never knew who did that. I just knew that I showed mm. up and they were there. I'm, and so um, so I saw him doing that and he was like, I you know I started just kind of helping. I was like, you know, cause then it's awkward if I don't help. <laughs> and uh, and so I saw what he was doing and then noticed he made coffee, some things like that. Well, the next Sunday I just decided I'm just gonna do this. So I got there even earlier and I made sure that I got there to where he wasn't gonna be there. And so I set up, so by the time he showed up, everything was just done, mm. done for him. That's cool. And what was kind of cool about that was it actually sparked and led to me becoming actually a college ministry life group leader. Um, and so and it was cool about it is it, I learned very early and very quickly that there's nothing that was beneath me, right? If you want a platform, if you want a position in a church or anything like that, you, you don't, you don't just get there or you shouldn't, right? You shouldn't just day one, walk in, here's a microphone, preach and proclaim the gospel, right? right. Unless you're like a guest or something, but that's a different situation. What I'm talking about is a lot of times people want what they see. They want to, they want to be the teacher. They want to be the one in charge. They want to be the one on stage. They want to be all these people. And they don't know the years of service and doing little, small, faithful things for the Lord that led them to that position. And so, um, so the thing I've observed the most about serving in that capacity is when you are faithful to God in the little, I believe he is faithful to you with more. Mm. And not more doesn't always mean like we have this really big problem of we measure everything in terms of consumer goods mm -hmm. um, in America. I'm not talking about money and cars and houses and stuff like that. If God chooses to bless you with that, that's awesome. What I'm talking about is like that when you walk through difficult seasons, when you go through difficult times, um, right? That he's, he like there's blessing there. There's financial blessing. There's marital blessing, family blessing, different things like that. Um, and so I'd say, you know, one of the biggest lessons I learned, be faithful where you're at. Um, if faithfulness to you looks like picking up trash after a service, then pick up trash, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that's kind of been, been And by more, you could also mean responsibility. More responsibility, leadership. Right? So I've I've noticed the, the the in my life, but also in the people around me, like there was a lot of guys I knew who were like, oh, I want to be a pastor one day. That's awesome. I love that they, there's young guys and want to be pastors there was girls i knew who wanted to serve in ministry and be missionaries and that's awesome but then all they did was they just came to church they didn't serve and that's not to say that god doesn't bless them and that's not to say that that where they're at right now is bad i'm not saying or trying to imply that somehow i'm better all i'm saying is i have seen a difference between those who are faithful to god with with the little and um those who who just kind of expected um, faithfulness to be given to them, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. It's like the parable of the talents. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so yeah, just, um, that's one of the things I look for when I'm kind of identifying who's going to be some of my leaders for our young adult ministry is I want to see who's serving, mm -hmm. who, who's plugged in, who's a connector, who's, who's already caring about people. Um, so yeah, absolutely. So just thinking about my journey, um, so the the easier part for me has always been serving in the church. Mm. Uh, my dad was a preacher. My mom served in almost every ministry there was in our church. Yeah. Um, and so they probably at the time, you know, if I if I looked at it from adult brain, I would have probably said I wasn't much help. But <laughs> but I, I'm sure I wasn't. But sure. but look, thinking back though, I was just always around them serving, and sure. so I'm sure I helped some. Uh, but I at least saw that, and then of course. As I became an adult, then I clearly 
notice that, oh, I should assume that mantle. Yeah. Um, and so serving in the church, and I started teaching from a pretty young age. That, that was my spiritual gift, um, at least one of them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've, I've taught even from when I was a young airman. Uh, but even before that, um, I remember, I think it was even before I joined the Air Force, maybe not, uh, but I, I taught at a, a church camp. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I just always had that part. But then the less constant one has always been the other one, right? So I said there's two ways you could really serve in the church and outside of the church. And so just thinking about the vulnerable and the needy, that's been more sporadic in my life. Yeah. Um, and so I've had times where it was uh, more so like I've, I've helped out with a prison ministry before or... Mm-hmm. Um, or I, my whole youth group experience was largely to uh, high schoolers that were from disadvantaged families, and mm-hmm. so we did a van ministry and mm-hmm. and uh, fed them often, and so so that was similar. Or for our young adults here, we've done homeless outreach. I know we still have one that uh, goes on at our church, mm-hmm. a, a ministry like that. Although it's been less so, I think since COVID, or there's been less involvement from sure. people since COVID, but. Um, but but so things like that have been part of my life, but they're they're more sporadic, and mm-hmm. and so that's an area that I'm saying as a pastor that I feel like there's there's plenty of room to grow sure. and and to always be looking for opportunities of how we can care for the needy uh, because it's not anytime we teach something like this, what a person could do is. Uh, kind of beat themselves up and be like, well, I've actually been pretty selfish with my life and I sure. don't serve at all. Okay, well, um, then then start, right? Sure. Don't, don't put your head in the sand. Um, start. Start serving and start looking for opportunities. And, and start with maybe one thing because we often think that I have to do everything. And it's not a healthy thing to right. to feel like you're the the sole person who can serve in the church. That's why those passages I talked about Romans mm-hmm. twelve, First um, Corinthians twelve, Ephesians four. That's why they de- depict the church as a body right. that we're supposed to interoperate. That you're supposed to use your gifts to help feed the body, equip the body, mm-hmm. so that we can all do the ministry together. So don't do everything, but do something. That means you say no to some things, but it means you say yes to some things. So that's a good balance for people to walk there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about practices next. What are some practices, or we could use the word tips, um, that have helped maybe helped you be motivated or helped help serving be easier or helped you figure it out? Where does a person start? Where can they go? That kind of thing. Yeah. So just kind of going off of my my journey and my story, um, I, I actually have four things. I just added one uh, as you were talking. Oh, I thought you it was really good. You weren't listening to me. No, I was listening to you. Huh. In fact, I was listening so intently, I added something because I liked what you said. Mm. Um, I think the first thing, if I could give any advice, wisdom, whatever, is start where you're at. Um, and, and also to kind of what you start with what is going to be most meaningful. If you're married, serve your spouse, serve your children right? They are your first ministry. That doesn't mean you don't serve in the church. Right. Um, but right. What does it say? If, but make sure you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. What does it say if you're involved in every ministry of the church and your family feels neglected? Right. You know, um, so if you're married, I'd say serve your family. Um, if you're single and available, man, there's Paul literally talks about the, the uh, singleness and using that time and that season um, to serve and, and to, to evangelize and to do these different things. And so um, recognize where you're at, start with where you're at in your season of life. Um, second is just realize that there's no task that's beneath you. I, yep. so again, we had a college ministry of a hundred people. 
I wasn't the only person that probably, and I'd like to think I wasn't the only person who noticed that. Um, but there are some who I'm not going to stack chairs. I'm not going to sweep the floor. I'm not going to clean the bus. I'm not going to pick up trash. Uh, I'm not going to watch children. I'm not going to, I don't even know, just whatever, whatever. Um, you just keep going on like the, the non-glamorous aspects of serving. Um, I would say there's no aspect of ministry that's beneath me. If, if someone, if pastor Doug came to me and said, I need you to go scrub these toilets. First off, I did, I was a janitor for two years, so I'm, I already got the skills down. But if so, if genuinely, if he came to me and said that I'm not even make, I would go scrub those toilets for the glory of God, because that is serving, that is ministry, right? Um, so there's nothing that's beneath you. Uh, third thing is if you see a need, fill a need. It is amazing how often I've, I need something and I go to someone and they're like, I've actually been praying about this. And I love that. think that's awesome. <laughs> Please don't wait for a pastor to be the one that takes initiative. Now, this is where we get a little weird because sometimes people want to do something. The pastor's like, mm, that doesn't really fit with where we're at right now. And you need to be okay with that. All right. But if you're praying and you're like, hey, like, like God's really been leading me in this direction, I'd like to see, right? Like how many of us could use more life group leaders and more volunteers and more people to use their spiritual gifts? Greeters. Um, <laughs> greeters, yeah, people just to say hello and to be friendly. And But again, people all wanna be on stage, even if they don't have the talent or um, the capacity to do it. And so um, if you see a need, fill a need. Uh, and then the fourth thing is just understand your spiritual gifting. I did not... I, I did not fully understand spiritual gifts, and I, I shouldn't say fully understand. I did not really understand what spiritual gifting was until I was more so in uh, later college. But what was cool is as I started learning about it, there were things, several things that people had spoken into my life. And I remember there was this woman, um, it's my mentor's uh, wife, and she just looked at me one day and she goes, Bryson, you have the gift of administration. And I was like insulted by that. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like I can sort papers and things like that. And um, and as I learned more about it, I learned more what that gift is and how God has used that in my life and ministry. So for me, I have the gift of shepherding, administration, and exhortation. Those, every spiritual gift test I ever take, those are the top three. Mm -hmm. um, and I see those in my life and people have spoken those things into my life. But understanding those things has helped me. For example, when I learned about exhortation, one of the things that you read and it says is be careful um, that your enthusiasm, you don't interrupt people, right? Obi can attest to this. I interrupt people a lot. I don't mean to, I really don't. It's not like a, a bad thing, but with your spiritual gift, you also learn some things about yourself that will help you be a, a more effective leader, um, a better follower of Christ, a better husband, a better wife, all these different things. And so um, those are my four things, man. That's, That's the advice stuff. I give. That's good stuff. Uh, in, in case uh, people are wondering, I usually score highest on teaching prophecy, which is always interesting to people because they're like, oh, a Baptist prophet. Yeah, but just remember there's foretelling and foretelling, right? True. And so I'm not a foreteller, at least not yet. God may, who knows? God can do what he wants. He's God. Yeah. Um, but foretelling. So I, I kind of liken that to... Um, liking that to teaching or preaching. Um, and then the last one's discernment. Hmm. And so those are usually the top three that, that I hit. Um, but so talking about practices, um, kind of, I think it was your third point. I'll just assign a, what was your third point again? Was it the, uh, see a need, fill a need. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to assign a Bible verse to that if I could, a passage. So, and I'll just say supply what is lacking. Uh, so first Corinthians 
chapter 16, verses 15 through 17, uh, one of my favorite passages, says, Brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanus. They are the first fruits of Achaia and have devoted themselves to serving the saints. Mm. Now, I'll just pause there. Imagine getting your name written in the Bible because you serve so much. Pretty legit. Like, think about all the things we've talked about that pure religion before God Mm -hmm. is caring for the vulnerable. And so God is taking note of people who serve. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I would say is this this household of Stephanus got their name in the Bible because they're devoted to serving. So let yourself be guilty of that, that you're devoted to serving, right? So he says, I urge you also to submit to such people and to everyone who works and labors with them. So this word submit, people get so flustered by it. But submission is is just a godly thing. And it doesn't mean that I just let everybody walk on me, but it does mean that I, I have an attitude of deference, that mm-hmm. I just defer to people. Uh, not that you can't have an opinion or thoughts, absolutely. But it's talking about I'm not just here to get my own way. Mm-hmm. So there's this picture now. You've got Stephanus who is in script, this household's in scripture for serving. And Paul says, submit yourself to people like that. Mm-hmm. So you've got people who serve, serve with them and submit yourself to people who serve. So he's trying to get this whole package together. Like everybody go serve and work right. with people who serve and have an attitude of deference while you serve. Cause we all know people who, and hopefully aren't people like that, but sometimes we're people like that. I'm serving and I'm going to serve so long as I get it the way I want. Yep. If you do it my way, I'll do it. And right. that's not a Christ-like attitude. But then he, he goes on to say, this is verse 17, first Corinthians 16. I am delighted to have Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. And those are fancy words, so just remember that I'm from Missouri, and there's a good (laughs) chance I pronounce all those wrong. Uh, But I'm delighted to have them present because these men have made up for your absence. Now, some translations will read it like this. They have supplied what is lacking. Mm -hmm. This made up for your absence or supplied what is lacking, it gives this impression of there's a gap. Mm -hmm. There's there's a need. Mm -hmm. There's... There's something missing in the body of Christ, and someone stepped into that. Yeah. So I have this story where there's this one time where I I needed this very specific job, and I went up to this guy and I asked him. He had every capability to do it, and he said, "No, Obi, you know I'd do a lot of things for you, but I won't do that." Hmm. And I didn't say anything. I just said, "Okay, thank you." But internally, I thought I don't need a lot of things. Mm. I need that. Yeah. Like it's an actual need of the church. Yeah. And I walked up to you, asked you, and um, there wasn't a whole lot going on in his life. <laughs> I I knew him well. There was no reason he couldn't have done it. And so look for ways to supply what the church needs. Yeah. Again, yes, you can say no to some things, especially if you end up finding yourself with five different tasks at church and you're getting burnt out. No one wants you to burn out but be part of the body, mm-hmm. engage in the body, invest in the body, and the body in turn, the body of Christ will in turn invest in you. Mm-hmm. And you'll grow by them and they'll grow by you. And, and it's a beautiful picture in Scripture. But what it takes is everyone to invest. Yeah. And I, I try to remind people anytime I go through any of those three passages, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, when you're talking about the body of Christ, not everybody is the most prominent part, right? right. Not everybody's the hand or the bicep or or the head or the some heart. Some people are the pinky toe. Some people are the pinky toe, <laughs> right? Some people are. They're, they're the little okay. toe. and w- They hold, they make the church balance. They do. <laughs> Isn't that what the pinky toe does? It like helps, helps you balance? Absolutely. Now, yeah. I have both of mine, and so I can't say what it's like without them, but I have stub toes before. And man, how irritating body. is it when you when you stub a toe? Imagine the body of Christ 
where the toes aren't working. Right. And I'm not saying whoever's listening, your toe. <laughs> that may be what you're hearing right now. But I'm saying even if you were, if that's what body part you most associate yourself with, it's not the the hand or the bicep or the the heart or the face or something. You you feel like the toe. Okay, well we need you, mm-hmm. right? The body of Christ needs you. They need you to serve. They need you to do your part. Not not everybody else's part. Your part. Be right. the be the part that God made you. Use the gifts that God gave you and use them as the opportunities present themselves. Look mm-hmm. for places to plug in and and be part of the body of Christ. All right. Any other thoughts on this, Bryson? Yeah, just one concluding thought. God is the one who gives gifts through the Holy Spirit for us to use to serve each other, but they're for God's glory. Yep. So God gives us gifts for himself, yeah, right? And good. I just remember these gifts are not yours. You didn't earn them. You didn't have to do anything for them. God gave them to you freely to use and turn for him. So when you serve, don't, no matter what the context, inside the church, outside the church, family, whatever it is, do it for God and do Amen. it for his glory. And uh, I like the the uh, passage. It's, I forget the scripture. You might know off the top of your head, but it's where Joshua says. I love says, when you put me on the spot. It's where Joshua <laughs> says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh-huh. And I suspect it's in the book of Joshua. I thought maybe, so, but maybe chapter 24. Okay. He knows where it's at. And, uh, but you know, it's like someone every, out there is fact checking me, but everybody has like that Hobby Lobby sign, right? Every Christian mom has that Hobby Lobby sign in her house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, serve the Lord. That's the ultimate point of mm. this. And if you impact others, well, you you will impact others while serving God. So that's, that's my good. thoughts. Cause someone out there may be first thinking, I don't have any gifts. Right. And so what they just heard you say is, yeah, God gifted them. And maybe they don't know their gift because they haven't tried any of them out. Right. They haven't engaged in mm-hmm. and tried to use them. They have gifts. God mm-hmm. gave them gifts. But then the other thing they just heard you say is someone could then, OK, yeah, I have these gifts and I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you are awesome. Hey, we love you. But God's awesome. You're not that awesome. <laughs> you may be that awesome. But but even if you're that awesome, it's God who's awesome because right. God's the one who who gifted you. And so um, there could be the ego trap there. You, your ego could go, run away in either direction when we're talking about giftedness. Yep. You could feel bad for yourself like you don't have the gifts that you want to have. Yep. You feel like you don't have any. Or you could run away the other way and say, I'm incredible and I don't need anybody else. I'm a yep. one-man show. And neither is true. We need you because you have something, but we also need everyone else because you don't have everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body needs you. We need you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to Faith in Real Life. Don't forget to subscribe and share with someone who needs a little faith in their life. And we would really appreciate you rating this podcast on your favorite podcast app and leaving a review helps get the word out. And if you live in the O'Fallon, Illinois area, we would love for you to stop by and visit one of our church services and a small group, which we call Life Group, and those are in person or online. You can find out about all the details, things happening at our church through social media and at fbcofound.org. That's fbcofound.org, and we'll see you next time. 